A band from San Diego, actually. So probably not really influenced by the fall. But this is uh, from an album called Autumn of the Seraphs. And I feel it's just a nice kind of... It's a good jam to end on. It's called Bouquet. Daddy G is up next. Do welcome with Daddy G. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be a good one. And good evening. Have a good weekend. See you next week.
From WNUR News, I'm Richard Yan. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, Netflix's new gaming platform, Adillo Day Deep Dive, ASG election updates, and a check-in on Northwestern sports. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. Most know Netflix for its slate of TV and movies, including the platform's original content. But the streaming service also offers over 50 free mobile games, including one based on the hit series Too Hot to Handle. Catherine Odom, a reality TV aficionado, reviews the game. I know that one of my favorite guilty pleasures is reality TV. It's embarrassing for me to admit how many reality shows I've watched and how invested I've become in some of them. I once spent a week with one of my best friends at her beach house, and basically all we did was order Chinese takeout and binge Love Island Australia. It was a little bleak. Netflix has released a number of reality shows over the past few years, some of which have become wildly popular. Perhaps the most famous of all is Too Hot to Handle. Hello, I'm Lana, your virtual guide. The premise is a classic bait and switch. Young, attractive singles think they're entering a regular dating show, but what they actually signed up for is a somewhat dubiously labeled social experiment. On this dating show, contestants can't hook up with each other at all. If they do, which they do, money is deducted from the total prize contestants split at the end of the show. The goal is for the contestants to learn to form more meaningful relationships and leave hookup culture behind. Who knows if they actually do, but the drama they create along the way is pretty juicy. The first season dropped during the height of the pandemic, and I, like many others, binged it immediately. Since then, Netflix has released four seasons of the hit series. In November 2021, Netflix launched a slate of mobile games. Games range from Baking Bash to Solitaire to Tomb Raider to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, But when I saw there was a Too Hot to Handle game released in December 2022, I was intrigued. So that's where we are today. I'm going to be playing and reviewing the mobile game version of one of my favorite trashy reality shows of all time. The game opens with an intro explaining the rules of the game and prompts me to create a character. The app auto-generated the name Kirby for me, which is lovely, but I decided to use my real name and she, her pronouns. I randomized the look for my animated characters, and after clicking through a dozen options that all resembled Kylie Jenner in some way, I settled on an avatar with tattoos and a bright green bikini. After that, I meet the first of the other contestants. My character spends a while describing how gorgeous she is, and soon after, it's time for me to make my first choice of the game. The message on my screen says I can set the tone based on my personality, with options ranging from sweet to naughty but they don't affect my relationships, which I'm a little confused about. We shall see. Anyway, I'm going to choose the option in the middle represented by an angel emoji, neither sweet nor naughty. I tell the other contestant, Marissa, that it's nice to meet her instead of telling her she's stunning or saying that the party starts now. 
we engage in some boring small talk before she tells me she's really into yoga, which seems to totally distress my character. Now, I'm being prompted to amp up the romance by telling Marissa whether or not I do yoga a lot, sometimes, or never. I'm definitely going to oversell my abilities by telling her I do yoga all the time, and that seems to make her really happy. The game tells me I have the option to build my romance with Marissa, other contestants, or all of the contestants. The game is actually pretty inclusive so far. I had the option to make my character non-binary, and there were a ton of options for skin tone and hair type when I was customizing my character. The big thing, though, is that I can pursue a relationship with another contestant of the same gender. The actual show does not prohibit same-sex relationships, but it has been criticized for, like, pretty much every reality show, being extremely heteronormative. So, points for that. After I told Marissa I do yoga all the time, she gives me a flirty smile. Next up is Liam, another very attractive single. I have similar prompts to set the tone and build romance with this guy. I'm realizing that certain prompts just affect my character's personality, while others affect my relationships. I choose the naughty route this time, which led to some uncomfortable dialogue and animated lip biting on both ends. The weird, seemingly AI-generated version of dating show dialogue is kind of spot on, but it is also a little hard to imagine real humans saying any of this. This is basically the gist of the game. My character is given different options to create a personality and build relationships with characters. There are awards I can collect for reaching certain milestones, and I can track the plummeting amount of money my fellow contestants and I will take home at the end of the show. By the end, the $200,000 pot has fallen below $150,000. I end up in a love triangle with Theo and Marissa, and I become enemies with Sarah. My character makes a few moves that cost the group some money, but I think deep in her animated heart, she learns her lesson and reforms her debaucherous ways. Overall, this game was entertaining, but I would recommend it more for fans of simulation and choose-your-own-adventure games like Episode than for fans of true reality TV. Playing a game where you're making the decisions ruins some of the fun of a reality show where you're anticipating someone else's decisions. I came away from it feeling less satisfied than I would after watching actual reality TV, but maybe the upside is that with this game, you can hide your reality TV obsession on your phone instead of exposing it on the TV in your living room. This game also removes the best part of watching reality TV, the social aspect. I almost never watch reality TV by myself because one of the most important things is the peanut gallery. It's really not the same without my roommates to yell at the TV when a contestant kisses someone they're not supposed to or throws a drink in someone's face. In the end, I know all reality TV is pretty brainless, but as the resident reality apologist, my verdict is to skip this equally brainless game and just watch an actual reality show instead. For WNUR News, I'm Catherine Odom. Moving on to oddities. Mayfest's open letter published last week has raised concerns from the Northwestern community about the future of Dillo Day, but some aspects of the open letter weren't so open after all. Allison Rauch has more. We love putting on Dillo Day. For the past 50 years, we at Mayfest Productions have produced the nation's largest student-run music festival, an event that has garnered recognition from industry professionals and other universities. It's a On April 4th, 2023, the Daily Northwestern published an open letter from Mayfest Productions in the opinion section. Mayfest is the student group that puts on Northwestern's annual Dillo Day, the largest student-run music festival in the country. Their message last Tuesday was serious. 
Dillo Day 2023 could be Northwestern's last. The issue comes down to money. In the letter, Mayfest describes what they call, quote, unprecedented financial struggles, end quote, explaining various pitfalls with reaching administration members for assistance with corporate sponsorships and an anonymous donation. They closed the letter by stating, We urge the administration to find a solution that ensures a sufficient amount of continued and stable financing for Dillo Day and other events that are essential to the student experience at NU. A more attentive senior leadership is critical to fulfilling the needs of student organizations like ours and, thus, the larger NU community. Mayfest's executive board signed the letter, including Daria Donishmand, a senior studying journalism and neuroscience. She and junior Catherine Duncan, who studies journalism and international studies, serve as co-directors of promotions for Mayfest. They describe how the open letter came to be. I would say it was in the drafts for a while, but we, it was very much a collective effort. We just wanted to make sure that whatever we did put out was representative of just all of our, just how we all felt about the situation without really placing blame in situations where it like wasn't really wasn't the goal to do so and really more just like start a conversation around campus. Yeah, I think like we just wanted to be transparent on where we were in our process and what we were struggling with. And I think an open letter was sort of the best avenue to do that. Since its publication, support has poured in from the Northwestern community and beyond. Duncan describes the experience on Mayfest's end. I mean, I feel like it has been really positive and students and parents and people have really been showing their support, which like we appreciate so much. And that's been such nice feedback and just response for us to hear, especially after putting in so much work throughout the year. Work that this year has been more complicated than usual. Duncan said that financial issues combined with the lack of administrative response has been quite the process for the organization to deal with. We did face like financial cuts and just some avenues that we tried to take to compensate for that weren't necessarily open. The open letter somewhat breaks down the financial situation. Mayfest receives the core of their budget from the Associated Student Government Student Activities Finance Committee. ASG publishes their past funding allocations dating back to spring 2019 on their website. Last spring, Mayfest received a total of $354,440 from ASG. Taking the data available from spring 2019 to spring 2022, Mayfest receives an average of $344,078 from ASG each year. Information on spring 2023 funding allocations is not yet available online, nor was it mentioned in the open letter. Donishmand went into more detail about the budgeting issues. Partially from what I've heard from previous exec and just generally, my understanding is that the money always is tight. And so working within the budget means there's there's really not... It's always a lot of work to make the budget work for us, but there's a line where it feels a lot less feasible versus we're just doing our best. In the open letter, Mayfest attributes issues with their booking committee's operations to, quote, lack of clarity with the administration with regard to our budget, end quote. Therefore, the unprecedented aspect this year seems to be the additional funding that Mayfest states they request from senior administration. What exactly could this mean? According to Northwestern Student Organizations and Activities webpage, there exists something called a Senior Leader Fund. Student organizations can request a grant from the Office of the President, the Office of the Vice President for Student Affairs, 
and or the office of the provost. Each office has their own budget they can distribute, and typical grants range from $1,000 to $2,500. Northwestern's SOA website does not list other grant options that deal specifically with senior administration, although it is important to note Mayfest does not explicitly state that they applied for this grant. Aside from vague terminology, there are additional aspects of the open letter that are fairly opaque. For one, Mayfest states in the open letter that This year, we received 13% of the funding from the senior administration that we received last year, but production costs have increased by 60%. Mayfest does not maintain publicly available information on their production costs and budgets, even for past Dillo days. The only public information that gives some sort of a clue to Mayfest's budget is ASG's allotments, which obviously do not take into account senior administrative funding. Therefore, Mayfest's statement about reduced lack of funding and increased production costs isn't as transparent as it may seem. Mayfest has not made it clear whether their lack of disclosure is to prevent university pushback or for their own reasons. These confusions aside, it's clear that the university has been largely unresponsive in regards to Mayfest's budget concerns. At the time of airing, university spokesperson John Yates has not responded to multiple requests for comment on the open letter, as well as questions about the administration's process for funding student organizations in general. Because transparent information is not available through the university nor Mayfest, the Northwestern student body is largely in the dark about the future of a beloved campus tradition. With few details and explanations, all that's left to do is wait and see. For WNUR News, I'm Allison Rauch. The candidates for the co-presidential ASG election are running unopposed, causing many changes to take place within the campaign period. Given the circumstance, voter turnout has become the top goal. Micah Sandy has the story. For the first time since 2019, the Associated Student Government's presidential elections have only one ticket. School of Education and Social Policy junior Donovan Kusick, who is currently the ASG vice president, and McCormick Jr. Molly Whalen, currently the ASG Executive Officer of Accountability, are running unopposed. While there was another aspiring ticket, ASG Election Commissioner and School of Communication freshman Enzo Banal said they didn't abide by the election guidelines during the pre-campaign period. Um, the only other um, potential candidates that expressed interest in running uh, had a little bit of an issue uh, with some disciplinary measures um, the, a few rule violations also didn't collect enough signatures and didn't send back the consent form. Um, so ultimately, it's an uncontested race this year. Benal said the campaign process this year had a typical start, with the same pre-campaign process and a one-week campaign period. However, he said that the one-ticket aspect of this year's election does change the goals of the campaign period. Since there is only uh, one ticket this year, this campaign period um, is a lot more about getting people informed about what the campaign stands for rather than trying to convince people that it's the best versus an alternative. As a result, Banal says that the Election Commission and the ASG Communications Committee are taking a variety of steps to promote the election to ensure people still vote despite there being only one ticket. We're going to be doing tabling in Norris, putting up flyers, obviously posting materials on our Instagram and other social medias, uh, just to make sure that everybody knows about what our, our student government does and that there is an election that they can vote for, even if it's not as closely contested as it usually may be. During the campaign season, ASG Chair of Communications and School of Communication Junior 
Zay Daudu is responsible for outreach related to the election. Every year, like, there are always a lot of students tend to not know about the election. And because, like, I work with communication, I communicate, like, everything ASG-related um, into the elections, like, a big, um, a big thing for us. So I, like... I'm not like in the election commission, like I'm dead mission, but I still like work with them. So post things on the Instagram. Um, we also like made like um, a TikTok for the election and also kind of making sure that everything goes to flow. So like, I didn't like um, directly plan the town hall, but I kind of like had like, a little bit of input, but basically like my biggest thing is just like marketing the election. Daudu says, Having only one ticket changed what her work during the election season looks like. It does kind of hurt my goal because I, I wanted there to be kind of like increase the voting numbers and that's unlikely if there's only one candidate. Um, but I have a lot of trust, I guess, in students. Kusik and Waylon will run as co-presidents as opposed to the typical positions of president and vice president. This dynamic is a first within ASG. Whalen says that the idea was Cusick's after noticing similarities between the responsibilities for the two roles. As having worked as vice president this year for ASG, he sort of realized that there's not any difference between the work that the two roles do. And he thought, like, why call them something different when they're doing the exact same thing? Um, so that's actually something he brought up to me um, and we talked about. Despite the lack of another ticket and the end of the town hall event, the two say they will continue to push forward with the campaign, emphasizing voter turnout. Um, I think that it's really important to us that we still go through, you know, all of the steps and, and due diligence and make sure that we're doing things right. Um, still reaching out, contacting groups, uh, scheduling meetings with groups, asking to just like engage with us. I think that it will um, help us as we work with groups over the course of the next year and and also just developing, really developing that platform and asking ourselves, what are we gonna do, why and how will so help just kind of give us a vision and a roadmap. In the coming days, I'm, well, like we don't need a minimum number of votes. I still hope to see um, some voter, uh, voter turnout just because um, what we really want is to drive engagement with our platform and our campaign. That's how we iterate it. That's how we make sure um, you know, we improve it to actually meet the needs of students. The election will take place from Thursday, April 13th and end on Saturday, April 14th. Micah Sandy, WNUR News. Welcome back to WNUR News. It is 6.22 p.m. Central Time. It's Wednesday and the spring season is in full swing. Amelia Donhauser gets you caught up on everything you need to know about NU sports. Hi, I'm Amelia Donhauser. Here's your NU sports report for this week. It was a beautiful weekend for the Cats on and off the field in Evanston. Over the weekend, the 23rd ranked Northwestern softball team faced off against the Penn State Nittany Lions at the J in Evanston for a three game series. The Cats took game one thanks to a stellar outing from graduate student pitcher Danielle Williams, who had 11 strikeouts over seven innings and a six-inning offensive rally. Angela Zedak led the day with a home run and three RBIs. They won the game 9-4. to 
In Game 2, the Cats led by 11 at the bottom of the second inning and beat the Nittany Lions 24-6 in five innings thanks to the run rule. They also broke the program record of runs scored in a game. The Cats completed the sweep in a game in Game 3 with a walk-off grand slam from Jordan Rudd at the bottom of the seventh inning, beating the Nittany Lions 5-2. After the weekend, the Cats are in sole possession of first place in the Big Ten with a 9-1 record for conference play. The Cats will take on their in-state rivals, Illinois, at 4 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon at the J in Evanston. Meanwhile, for baseball, the Cats also got their first series win against their in-state rivals, Illinois, over the weekend in a three-game series. The Cats started off strong with an RBI from senior Steven Rustich in the bottom of the first, but Illinois took the lead in the top of the fourth, 2-1, to one, and they add another in the top of the seventh. Catcher Cooper Ford saved the day for the Cats as he singled down the line, giving the Cats a 4-3 walk-off win. In Game 2, senior Evan Minarvik led the team with three hits, but it was no match for the Illinois as they came fighting back, beating the Cats 2-7. to seven. In Game 3, Owen McAlphatrick broke a 4-4 tie, propelling the Cats to a 7-4 win and the first series win of the season. A stellar performance also came from Steven Rustich, who went 2-3 for three in the game with a home run, a walk, and three RBI at Miller Park. With the win, the Cats are now 500 in conference play and will prepare for an important series against Nebraska next week. On Saturday, the second-ranked women's lacrosse team was in Albany to play University of Albany. With a close score of 5-5 at the beginning of the second period, the rest of the game was all Cats. In dominating fashion, they beat the Great Danes 21-11. The Cats had four players scoring four goals, Dylan Amonte, Haley Radigan, Izzy Skane, and standout first-year Madison Taylor. Skane scored her first two goals with only 45 seconds left in the first half on back-to-back possessions. The dominant Skane also had three assists for the Cats on the day. They finished their road trip undefeated, extending their win streak to 12 games. They improved to 13-1 on this season and will return to conference play when they take on unranked Ohio State in Columbus on Saturday at 5 p.m. Finally, what a weekend it was for men's tennis as they took on their in-state rivals. The number 27 Cats hosted number 23 Illinois at the Vandy Christie Tennis Center in Evanston. In a narrow victory, the Cats, led by graduate student Ivan Yatsik, graduate student Trice Pickens, and junior Gleb Blecker, secured the 4-3 victory thanks to their singles matches. In doubles, Stephen Foreman and Simon Bratham took down number 41-ranked Hunter Heck and Carly Ozzelines 6-2 as the Cats handed the pairing their first loss of the season. Gleb Blecker defeated Nick Meister in three sets, 7-6 and 6-1 to clinch the match. The Cats improved to 15-7 on the season and they will take on Nebraska on Friday at the Combe Tennis Center in Evanston. On the women's side, they took down Rutgers 4-1 in New Jersey on Sunday. In doubles, Justine Long and Christina Hand beat Rutgers, Jacqueline Lopez and Arena Valatova 6-4. Leong, Maria Shusharina and Hand all won their single sets. With the win, they improved to 8-11 on the season with a three-game win streak. They are 4-3 in conference play. They will face Minnesota on Friday in Minneapolis and then number 21-ranked Wisconsin and Madison on Sunday to improve their conference record. That wraps up your NU Sports Report for this week. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the Wildcats live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Amelia Donhauser, WNUR News. Now let's take a look at the weather for tonight. It's set to be a beautiful night with clear skies and only a low of 55 degrees. Tomorrow, the sunshine and warm weather will continue with a high of 76 degrees and partly cloudy skies. This trend will continue into Friday, although the good weather stops there. Over the weekend, it's predicted to rain and the temperature drops down to the 50s. 
taking a look into our headlines. A new boba shop recently opened up across the street from 10Q Chicken, and today they offered free drinks to the first 100 people to come to their store. I'm just glad that in a town with so little boba available, there's finally a place for me to grab my favorite sugary drink. Golly, where else would I find boba? The city of Evanston has expressed concerns over the location of its downtown farmer's market, as it currently operates on land that isn't owned by the city. There are no plans to move it as yet, and the city is open to recommendations. Might I suggest Northwestern's Deering Lawn? Former President Donald Trump is suing Michael Cohen for $500 million in damages for allegedly breaching his contract as Trump's former personal attorney. And that is all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Producer today is John Ferrara. Our reporters are Micah Sandy, Catherine Odom, Amelia Don Hazard, and Allison Young. From all of us here at WNUR News, Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, He's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.